You're listening to a Radio 1 91FM podcast. Aotearoa's emergency housing system has come under immense scrutiny over the past few weeks, with many criticising emergency housing in Aotearoa for being unjustifiably expensive to the government and denigrating the quality of life of its tenants. A recent TVNZ Sunday expose of Rotorua's emergency housing prompted Te Pāti Māori MP Rawiri Waititi to call for an inquiry into the region's emergency housing. The MP for Wairaraki said many tenants faced all manners of abuse and lived in dysfunctional houses. Political commentator Matthew Houghton told TVNZ Breakfast that emergency housing was a failure, as Aotearoa's most vulnerable are being dumped into communities where they don't know anyone and get cooped up in small hotel rooms. With all this in mind, should Aotearoa continue the current system of emergency housing, or should we look to new alternatives? Joining me to talk more about this is Manawatu Tenants Union Coordinator Cameron Jenkins. Kia ora Cameron, how's it going? Kia ora team, fabulous. It's a mighty uh, wonderful day here in the mighty Palmerston North, so hope it is all well for everybody down there in the deep south. Today is looking a little bit grey, but uh, we're not here to talk about weather, are we? What are some of the driving factors for those entering emergency housing? It's kind of, there's there's quite a few really, but what we're seeing is uh, the increased rents, um, this term market rent. Uh, that really is derived by a group of landlords in an area deciding what the market rent's going to be, um, basically pricing the rental pe- you know, people out of the market. We've had a, we've had a long period of really cheap um, renting, uh, which has obviously meant that people now can't afford property, so they're having to... You know, if they get a rent arrears or, or, or evicted for, for that or termination. We're having a lot of poorly, we've had a lot of poorly maintained property over, over many years. So we're getting a lot of landlords now returning home or wanting to cash out their investments, um, and ha- having to do significant repairs and maintenance before they sell it or just in general selling, um, the, selling their properties to first home buyers or other investors. But of course, obviously, if you're selling your home, you know, your rental property, uh, you, that's basically a family that has to leave that property in order for someone to buy it, to move in. Is it fair to say that COVID has exacerbated, uh, I guess, a lot of the need to enter emergency housing for those who are in, you know, poor socioeconomic conditions? It, absolutely. And I think what, what we've seen is when everybody returned from COVID, you know, returned home, uh, that a lot of these people from overseas who had investment properties now needed their homes for them so of course the first thing to do is the tenant has to leave so that the family can move back into the you know their their property mm. uh where's that family going now a recent sunday program that all uh, sorry a recent tvnz sunday program found that all matters of abuse i won't go into them here because they're quite distressing uh are, are prevalent in emergency housing uh, would you say that this is true absolutely um i would i would I watched that same same documentary uh, a couple of days later because I, re- I recorded it, and I absolutely believe that there is certainly uh, cause for alarm, and I suspect that that same alarm is happening um, everywhere else that there is that people are in this emergency housing. I wouldn't necessarily know to what extent um, in relation to how bad it is in other areas. I certainly have had stories uh, from uh, the Manawatu region, but it's probably not as uh, big. So I guess you 
talk about the problem being bigger and that, that Rotorua example purely because of the amount of uh, hotels and motels in Rotorua that are being used compared to other areas. But it definitely is not surprising to me and I think it's actually a real concern that it is as bad as what it was on TV. Um, and that's quite alarming. Given that you're a, you know, a coordinator for the Manawatu Tenants Union, do you work with people who are facing or are in emergency housing much? Uh, no, I don't necessarily work with them uh, when they're in emergency housing. I work with them at the other end, so generally uh, before they go into emergency housing, so they're dealing with uh, evictions or, or termination of a tenancy, um, or after they've, so if they've transitioned from emergency and transitional housing into accommodation, say private rental, then we work with them to, to work on how we sustain that tenancy, to build that relationship with the landlord so that they don't have to go back into emergency accommodation. Um, but it is, yeah, when there are uh, things outside the tenant's control, you know, like lack of repairs or, a, you know, a family wanting to sell the investment property, they, they becomes, we become quite powerless, and that's the really hard bit is if there's nowhere for them to live, then the emergency accommodation situation is where they have to go because mm. there's nowhere else for them to go. Would you characterise, you know, Aotearoa's emergency housing system as have, being kind of an ambulance at the bottom of the hill? Yes, yes. I, I, I would say this, but in the, and I would put the disclaimer in it too that it was a solution that had really great ideas and in theory on paper should absolutely work and it is working to a point, but I think we need to go back to the system and go how can we fix it or improve it if this is what we're going to continue to do because I am struggling and I've been working uh, with tenants a lot to find out uh, what the other solutions are. Mm. Um, and that's the hard bit is I don't have an answer to what a better solution would be, but I, I understand that we've gone, right, we need to house these people. Let's pop them in a, in a motel or, or a hotel and we know they're going to be, in theory, warm and dry, should be warm, dry, happy, healthy and safe, but it's not quite what's happening. Mm. Would you say that, you know, before you mentioned that, you know, landlords and increasing rents are a big reason for people entering emergency housing, would, say, reform or moratoriums on rent increases help decrease the amount of people needing emergency housing? Absolutely. I, I have no doubt. I mean, I'm part of the... A, TAN network, so that's the Tenant Action Network, so myself, several other organisations including Community Law, CAB, um, we're actively advocating for, uh, you know, kind of like modern controls around, you know, the rent market, you know, rent controls so we can sustain rents, keep rents at a controllable level. Just to give you an idea, and I looked at the recent information coming through from uh, tenancy services around all the bonds that are lodged. If you've got uh, in Palmerston North, the average for a one-bedroom house uh, rental is $380, which basically represents 50% of someone's income mm. uh, if, you, if you're on a minimum wage job. And working that, 40 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, so all it takes is for something to happen, the car to break down and suddenly they can't pay their rent or can't go to work or they get sick. Uh, and the rent's not paid, and then that, the problem's just severely compounded. So, you know, when 50% of your income is, is almost rent, 
when really the international standard and research says it should be about 30%. You know, there's a huge, huge, um, yeah, discrepancy there. I guess, just lastly, just to investigate at least one alternative to emergency housing, um, would a more permanent solution, just say, like, more, more social housing, be a good investment for helping people transition out of emergency housing into a more permanent, kind of safe, healthy, dry home? Yes. Yes, it does. I, and I absolutely am, am a big believer of um, of more social housing. And I think we also need to be, uh, we need to look at, when we do these new builds for for this, we also need to look at uh, the lifespan of the tenancy as well. So how does that look for someone being in a long-term tenancy if they were to go and say, when they're 30 or 40 and, you know, need to be in their for their retirement, you know, like how does that look? Is the property safe? Is it disabled friendly? If we're going to do multi-storey houses, then, you know, maybe we, we look at how we structure it so that, you know, when you're 20 and you're youth, you're on the third storey as you age, you come down to the point where when you're in your retirement, you're on the bottom storey, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Well, that's very smart. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to Cameron. That's, that's absolutely fine. I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the, the time and the questions. And if you have anything else, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm more than happy to, uh, you know, have a, have a chat more with, with the housing. But, yeah, I just want to yeah, reassure, I think we need to make sure that, that, these, that the situation, because, um, yeah, one of the other last questions you mentioned is that whether we should, uh, that the issue of the... Um, the violence and stuff like oh, that in the emergency yeah. housing needs to be investigated, and I absolutely think it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just yeah, want to stress that, is, that that seriously has to be looked in and we need to fix it. Um, and I'm actively open to working with anybody to talk through some ideas to help how we can come up with better solutions, because I don't have the answers, but I certainly want to work with people who think they might have some answers. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.